Internet, how you doing this morning? It is Saturday. This is the Mad Christian Saturday Morning Chill. Good morning. I hope that all worked, and I hope the rest of this morning comes together. I've set a few things in motion, hoping that the automation of the internet combined with my well, my tendency to overlook the details from time to time <laughs> has enabled that video with Pastor Brian Flammy describing his situation in New Mexico to me and a few friends privately, now edited a little bit. That, as its own standalone, should be releasing on the YouTube channel within the next 15 minutes, I think. If not, it'll be the next hour. And that's there for you to use and to share. I was absolutely stunned and blown away by that confession that he just rattled off. No notes. No preparations. I mean, the guy studied. He's what I would call an expert as opposed to... Let's leave, expert, let, let's leave experts for later. Pastor Brian Flammy is what I would call an expert on how to speak law and gospel prophetically in the midst of a pretty powerfully dark, dark age. And more, more on that to come. But just so you know that that's out there as a tool. And I'm so grateful that I was just here to distribute it to you, uh, to, to hear that, to be encouraged by that, to put that into practice where I am. And to provide it for the rest of you through, uh, well, what, us, the chill, and all that we do here at Mad Christianity. All right, all right, all right. So what I'm not used to at all is that I have a list of things I'm entirely going to do, including stuff to talk about. So, I mean, the cities are burning. I, I don't know. Why does that stun me more than other people? I mean, maybe it doesn't. I, I am overwhelmed a little bit by it, though. It's like... It has to happen every so often. I mean, what is this, Rachel Ghoul? I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. And and we'll get into a little bit more of all of that. But I do have to say before we get started in this that if you want to be truly crazy right now and just believe that the dystopian nightmare is going to continue with you tralla tra- tra- and dancing along because the providence of your holy God is going to keep you and yours more or less living through the crosses with the crosses, but in well, in a, a way that your head is lifted up high looking for that day which is drawing near and not wallowing in the muck with everyone else who has no hope. If you want to talk about your resurrected Lord while they've muzzled your face, guess what you can do now? You can wear a mad Christian face mask. Yes, it's embarrassing. It is incredibly embarrassing, except for I got this to give you. The mad Christian face mask actually looks pretty cool. (laughs) You know, I I, I hate self-promotion. You probably don't believe this. You think I'm lying through my teeth. I cannot stand self-promotion. But I am so glad with how this has come together. Uh, and, you know, I, I encourage you not to buy the one with my picture on it, but just this, this sweet, awesome-looking Mad Christian logo there. People will say, wow, that's pretty cool. Did you get that from, like, Tommy Hillfire? You'd be like, no, I got that from Mad Christianity, right? And then if you just happen to love Rockford because you know that Rockford's not such a bad place after all. In fact, it's safer than Chicago at the moment by a mile. Um, well, uh, then you might want to pick up one of those Rockford loved ones there. All of this work has been done by either myself or my daughters, including the six old drawn upside down sloth singing to the tunes which he's listening to on his ipod up there in the corner all of that's available on redbubble you can find the link below and uh in in the show notes all that kind of stuff so that is with the exception of the work that is done by frisbee herself and that which i have uh, procured from some of you out there us the chill at various times and places so for example dawn cannot be far stickers and whatnot there all that to help support your faith in some way well how do i say that 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 sounds so cheesy i'm gonna just come back to me right now because it sounds so bad it helps support your faith to confess your faith that's what it's for it's to confess your faith and sometimes when you have a sticker that you put somewhere to confess your faith to other people 
it confesses your faith back to you, and that's supporting your faith. So that's, that's what I'm getting at right there. I know that I don't like walking around with nothing on my face. I've been so happy that somebody put a happy face on my, my hand yesterday morning, by, by law, apparently, that, <laughs> uh, that I've kept it on, and it almost made it through the shower this morning. Not quite. It was looking pretty good, um, but, but you know, I, I walk in to go to a doctor's appointment, and uh, uh, the immediately as I walk in, there's a lady standing there. She's like, okay, you can't go in unless I do all this stuff to you. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, it happened in the airports once upon a time. I guess it's happening here now, right? And, and so I, I'm sure a lot of you have been dealing with this. This was new for me. I've not gone to the doctor yet. So, so you know, sure. I go through it. They check the temperature. They ask me the questions. I like, I'm like, well, I just drank water and, and choked on it. That was a cough. So, you know, I, I, maybe I do. I don't know. You know, but, but I, you know, I try to be really honest <laughs> about the answers um, and, and not distract the conversation and waste their time by giving them the answers they don't need. And, uh, and uh, all is said and done. And she's like, okay, fine. You're approved. You can go in. And she's like, put your hand out. Okay, put my hand out. She, you have to wear this. <laughs> she puts this smiley face on my hand. You have to wear this. And I just, I, I've taken it to heart, you know? I mean, I, this lady was very nice. I smiled and waved her on the way out. She's just doing her job, right? But it was like, okay, I guess I have to wear this. So I, you know, at the registration desk, they're, they're like, so did you pass your test? Right? And I just, I, I'm happy. As I said, I stuck out the hand. And that's not, that's kind of been well, what I've been clinging to in the midst of all of this, you know? Because it's just been, it's been over the top. And wanting to have something, something to say, something to say that isn't, that isn't just the bad news of, uh, well, what we're going to be talking about now. I was really disturbed by um, Ice-T retweeting, follow Ice-T. He doesn't tweet enough, honestly. I'd like to know more of what he thinks, although I'm a little disturbed now. Um, I kind of liked some of the things he was saying once upon a time. I, he retweeted this guy, Frederick Joseph, I don't know him from Adam, or Adam's off ox, if you want to go Google that one. Uh, he says, protesters aren't trying to start a race war, we're trying to end one. Ouch. Oh, wow. So I'm not sure what to make of that. Does that mean that there's an attempted civil war being begun right now by you, Frederick? Is that what you mean? Because, like, the people watching NBC don't think that's what you mean. They tell me that's not what you mean. But, like, wow, it sounds awful violent to me. <laughs> you know? And, you know, I won't even go into it. You can follow the news of Mr. Annie Nago. That guy's absolutely worth following if you want real news on Antifa's movies, all that kind of stuff. But then... um this bit is just it just blows my mind, but it's going to connect to the entire thing here. I mean, here we have here we have on the one hand, an African American man advocating a race war that's already going on to end it with violence. I think I think maybe he's not, and I wish I would like him to be more clear if he's not. But there is definitely violence taking place at the moment, and Ice T raps about it quite a bit. I recall. So then. It's fascinating to find this misinformation being spread out there, uh, Ida Bay Wells, saying that the, the Second Amendment was created to ensure Southern slave owners, dot, dot, dot. That's all you needed, right? It's because it was totally about you know, the slaves, had nothing to do with the British. Absolutely nothing to do with the British. I mean, the British weren't even there, nor were they the ones who like, started the slave trade. Not at all. It was, it was totally like Southern whites who were what? British? <laughs> At one point, right? So, so why is this? Why is this suddenly about my skin color, Madame? You know, I, I have Norse German descent, Gen X Viking, who loves all people so far as he can, like, not be afraid of them shooting him in a race war. <laughs> and thankfully, Charles C. W. Cook was there to at least point out the look, look, look. 
The first state to incorporate an explicit protection of the right to keep and bear arms was Pennsylvania in 1776, which would not be a southern state, would not be a slave state, would be a liberty state all the way, right? And why Vermont copied the provision verbatim in 1777. Now, this is states with their constitutions making sure that even though the federal government had guaranteed the right, they weren't going to let the federal government take it away from the state anyway, right, in their constitution. Would that Illinois had such things. We just have the mafia. Um, anyway, um, in the same document in, in which it abolished slavery, by the way, 1777, Vermont abolishing slavery and keeping the right to guns because they understood that the one who's going to make you a slave is the one who has a gun. You don't. Yeah, right. So, so Ida, what you want to do is protect your Second Amendment rights and own one. I mean, I, I get it. The nuclear war, you're not going to stop the nuclear war. And if, in fact, they do send the CIA against you, you lose. Fine. But by and large... Being afraid of your neighbor on the street or having neighborhoods where things are dangerous can be stopped by good men who aren't afraid to understand their provisions within the Constitution, defend themselves, and defend their neighborhood. Honestly, I'm talking to you, you know, southwest side Rockford. Hello. But anyway, you're, you're too busy blaming Whitey for it. Well, go for it. See how that works for you. It's worked so well for 100 years. Reconstruction. I get it. I get it. You know what? I have a dream just like Dr. Kling, Dr. King. I have the exact same dream. I believe that dream with all my heart as a little boy. I was taught to memorize that. I believe with all my heart and to be hated as I have been hated. It just hurts. It just hurts. I want, I want what my Lord Jesus Christ has made true, which is that all men are in his blood now of one race, the resurrected one by sufficiency of his cross, only for you to believe. Uh, I, I want us to believe that enough that we could just, well, forgive, generally speaking. Uh, that, that being said, that was the Second Amendment stuff, uh, uh, which I've only been inspired to this all the more by like the terror of watching st- cities burn. It's like, well, maybe... Maybe there'll come a time where I just want to make sure that I don't have to defend my wife and kids. I'm sad. That's what I've come to in America. I grew up with never that thought would cross my head. Here I am. I mean, look, look at this it thing. It could look. spread to some other nearby vehicles. Also a concern about that uh, building that is nearby. Uh, and it appears as if there's some folks that are trying to... All right. It, it looks like there's some type of weapon there. We're going to break away from that shot there. We're going to watch this again. So what's, what's going on right here? Very, uh, scary that guy's a good guy. Okay, that guy that just jumped in, he was a good guy. Let's go back here for a second. He's a good guy. That guy is trained security that was there for a private group who is former military. And he sees some, some Yahoo who has taken a – I'm not good enough to know whether this is just an AR or whether it is an automatic rifle. I don't know what the SWAT carries. But somehow he'd gotten into the, the police vehicle and had procured – the weapon, and had fired it eh, at the vehicle. We'll just shoot up the, shot, the cop car with, with the, the thing, right? While there's people around, because it doesn't ricochet or nothing ever, because I'm an idiot, because I've never shot one except on Call of Duty, because it's not that Call of Duty made it so that people are going to do this. It has made it so that, well, they aren't going to critically think and question you telling them to do this. That's what it did. I'm all for Call of Duty in small doses, by the way. Uh, Minecraft will do more to grow your actual intellectual development. But the point is, okay, so watch this. Watch this. It could spread to some other nearby vehicles. Also a concern about that uh, building that is nearby. Uh, And it appears as if there's some folks that are trying to... All right. It, it looks like there's some type of weapon there. We're going to break away from that shot there. Not sure who that person is, but obviously a very uh, scary and fluid situation. Man, and we don't have enough of them. We don't have enough of them. 1,200 of the country's most renowned public health experts, I don't know, fact check me, go for it, have signed a letter calling outdoor mass gatherings vital to the national public health. Outdoor mass gatherings are vital to the national public health? I still can't get 25 people to meet in my church. Because my people believe the government so much when it talks that, 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 that they're just – I don't even know what to say. 1,200 
have said that outdoor mass gatherings are vital. I guess it, it is outdoor. Okay, it is outdoor. Fair enough. Is this all outdoor? Is this all? Uh, vital to the national public health and to the threatened health specifically of black people? We are in the midst of a mass, his, his comment, mass psychotic outbreak. Yeah. I mean, if we really just ruined our economy for two months in order to prevent this disease from doing so much damage, do we realize that the very people who are going to be dying the most next are the black people that you're telling to go gather in groups? Maybe that's the Democratic Party's agenda. There are people who will tell you that. I've never actually believed that people at the top think that. But golly, this would be a way to get a bunch of people to die if it's really real that there's a killer virus on the loose, wouldn't it? Or maybe they just want all the white liberals that are out there protesting to die because that's what a lot of it is anyway. I don't know. Do you want your own constituency to die? Do they? Is it a lie? Is the virus a lie? How would you ever know? And this is the problem now with experts, isn't it? And I don't know what media outlet you're looking to, but if they purport to tell you they're an expert now, I would encourage you to not trust them. And I'll tell you Brian Flamey's an expert. I'll tell you that I can be an expert on a couple of things, like what the Bible says. I am not an expert on what county health or, or what public health should be. Not even close. But the problem is now the ones who should be trustworthy have become part of a political, you know, uh, what, badminton game about an orange man, which isn't about an orange man. It's about communism and socialism versus capitalism. And whether or not you like one or the other, just don't deny it. That's what it's about. It's what the parties are about. It's what the arguments are about. And what you see is communism doing what it does to upset and destroy countries in order to put itself back there in place through the very thing they're accusing Trump of doing, by the way, strangely. They just want to have a coup topple him and then be in charge of the chaos. So everything they accuse him of doing, he might actually be doing. I don't know. I can't know. I don't even know who to trust outside of like my, my elders at church. I'm pretty sure my local sheriff's on my side in general, like wants us to be safe. I think my mayor, maybe, although I don't know, cause I'm in, in Illinois and mafia. I'm just going to keep saying it. Cause that's what it is. <laughs> uh, so uh, they might shoot me for it someday. I don't know. Uh, uh, you know, it's so funny. How, how conspiracy do you want to go? Complete tangent. How conspiracy do you want to go? Let's just do alt history. I'm a fiction writer. It's alt history, right? Alt history. The FBI didn't actually get them. They got the FBI way back when. And then they took over Illinois. That's why everything they used to do that was illegal is what the government does now. In Illinois. I mean, just think about it. It, it kind of makes sense. It's a great story. <laughs> it's a great story. So how are we to trust anybody in any history and any expert now, which is why I thank God you're a Christian. You have something outside of this, this white noise matrix to believe in. We were told we couldn't have more than 10 people at an outdoor graveside in Maine because it's so dense and populated and graves in Maine are filled with people, right, 10 people. Uh, literally 10 days ago, people were afraid to come see my family, but demonstrators assembling on Main Street. And I zoomed in on this. Most of them do have masks on, but that is by no means six feet. Yeah, maybe I'm misunderstanding. I thought it was a mask and six feet. I thought it was just in general, try to avoid each other. This is just in general, not avoiding each other. Granted, you're not going to get it outside. I get it. But, but then why were we stopping funerals a while ago? Well, because it was a persecution of the church, whether we like it or not. And it's not persecution as if it was intentional, but certainly it was the devil's way of trying to get us to be destroyed. You don't need an actual politician who hates you for the devil to use the ignorance of politicians to destroy, well, to try, to destroy you, to cross tri uh, trial and bear you down. Now, just remember as we go through this concept right now, thankfully, your being pressed down by the devil never actually pushes you down, but in Christ, it raises you up. So thankfully, through all of this, this suffering that Christine here, I don't know, 
my pastor Hans Feeney, who is a funny guy, uh, <laughs> to say one thing of him, I suppose. He's more than that. You know, he liked what she said and, and her pain. I like her pain too. I don't like it, but it's the only thing you do on Twitter is like it. I like her pain uh, that she lost through this and her Christianity must now reckon with it and, and grow through it, which is so good. Now, I'm still in the mass thing though, because like at what point? I mean, come on. You're like, like I, I'm being nice, right? Like, oh, look, well, that's probably okay. They can, they, you could do that once. Yeah, my, my city, it keeps happening every day. And I am in a city. I'm not in the city. There is a city. And it happens every day. It's been peaceful so far. But, like, there, there apparently is supposed to be a race war at some point, according to one guy. So, like, I, I don't know. But then, you know, I, I'm glad I don't live in Oregon. I am an Oregonite. Oregonian, that's what we're called. Portlander. I know of Portlandia, the statue that was there before the TV show, and she was supposed to be like unto the Statue of Liberty because she was made of copper and was not yet green. I'm sure she is green now, but I saw her before that. That's what my childhood was, this great Rose City experience of, well, I don't even know. It was a nice place to live, and it rained a lot. Um, Then we moved when I was 12, but I look now at what this – I mentioned Andy Nago earlier, and I I don't know how else to recommend this guy to you. He's taken it from Antifa directly in the face, like physically. But he, you know, he, he continues to c- cover Antifa's movements, particularly in the Northwest, as an independent freelance reporter. And it, it doesn't even matter to me. All I need is that picture from the Oregonian. All he's doing is retreating the Oregonian as the primary you know, newspaper of the, the state. I mean, it's in, I believe it's based in Portland. I thought it was. I don't know. We used to, de- we took it. We took the Oregonian. Um, they were going to post this picture of this mass event there, and you can zoom in on that one. There aren't masks on everybody. I'm, I'm pretty confident you can zoom in on that one. It's not mass. So, so uh, you, you got this. Go. So, so what am I supposed to do now? As I have my 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 poor little people terrified to gather in groups of seven and to even look at each other in the eye when all this goes on. This is the how heavy the overreach has been. Ah. Uh, and then here you got NPR, right? So this is, I, I don't know Josh Croucher either, and you know Hans V. Chris Eskett, another great pastor. Uh, know him. They retreat NPR saying dozens of public health experts and, and disease experts have signed an open letter. That's the one I mentioned earlier. So the 1,200, maybe it's not 1,200, but it's dozens at least. But NPR is promoting this now. So like I've not trusted NPR since my vicarage year when I listened to them playing basketball in the parking lot for two hours a day for like three or four weeks, and I realized, wow, they only cover one side. That's incredible. I'm just kind of done with that. <laughs> You know, if I really had the time to have to go and search that much to cover both sides that one-sidedly, I could, but I'd rather just try to find the middle in a more, uh, you know, efficient route. Uh, so here they are, of course, you know, rather than telling people to stay home, um, showing that they don't really have a reason to be trusted as the experts or necessarily funded by my tax dollars, honestly, and I've always wondered that. Uh, Molly Hemingway, our favorite reporter in D.C., says, uh, so say what you want about the violent riots throughout the country that are devastating American cities and citizens. They did quickly put an end to the previously unbreakable support for the shutdowns and mask shaming. A few exceptions here and there, obviously. Well, here you go, right? There are uh, no masks or social distancing being used by the White House staff there. So what does that mean? And am I supposed to take this as valuable? Valuable? Well, I mean, apparently, if I if I like Trump, then this is from God and the answer. And if I don't like Trump, then this is from the devil and to be avoided at all costs. And again, I just I'm only going to just repeat. I don't know who to trust, and that's my entire problem right now. And and meanwhile, you know, I I, I have this come across my feed. I mean, I've not voted for Trump yet, but I'll just go ahead and tell you, I don't think there's any way I'm going to be able to avoid it at this point because. 
I've been forced to it. My hand has been compelled to it against all my strength. I have, I have best constructioned every possible leftist argument ever against this man. And it's just, it's just not what they're doing. <laughs> Actually, what they're saying he's doing is what they're doing. And so how can I not? And now you're going to tell me I'm not normal. 50% of the country is not normal. And you think this is a dialogue. This, this is going to return us to like a semblance of, of peace. So frankly, you know what? That's bigotry. And we just got to call that what it is. If you tell someone that they're not normal or they're crazy because they vote for Obama or Trump or whoever, if you call liberalism a social disease, if you call conservatism simply racist, well, you're a bigot. Straight up. Just that's it. You're a bigot like the Nazis before you. Yeah. You may not be a fascist like the Nazis before you or communists like the Marxists before you, but you're a bigot for sure like the Nazis before you. So take that one to the bank and maybe pick up a drink drive through along the way. I was so relieved for all of the things that my, my governor did not do, such as you know releasing county areas that were not really being impacted by the virus to reopen and begin their small mom and pop businesses again, you know, after when the rest of the country did, you know, a month ago, all that kind of stuff, uh, you know, began, began the process of gradually doing that, made us all wait. Now we're they're still having to wait like a month, but, but you can get drive through alcohol now. Thank goodness. I was worried that while I was out of work, I wouldn't be able to drink and drive at the same time as efficiently. And now, now, and I get it. I, you know why this is? It's because most restaurants make their money from alcohol. And so the takeout carryout is not sufficient in order to keep those restaurants open. Cool. Um, interesting solution, right? Um, interesting problem to begin with, don't you think? Could it have something to do with the regulation of the industry and the way that it's maybe taxed? Oh, could it be? And of course, that would be the other reason because guess what get ta- gets taxed pretty heavily and you can't have the sales of that going down anytime soon. Oh, you betcha. What does the mafia sell? That's right. Alcohol. That's where they come from. So the taxes, I mean, they just figured out how to do it legally. And I'm sorry. But it, it, is it just the, the resemblance? Am I just stereotyping? Maybe I am. I don't know who to trust. It's like it's a big story I'm watching on TV and it's just a giant movie or maybe a point and click video game. And this guy... Well, this guy, I'll just say I like the signs I see in my town that have his name on it already, and none of them are for him to win yet. <laughs> it's a long way to that election. Oh, but dear heavens, what a, what a disaster he has done uh, upon this state. In any case, you can, you can drink and not drive, but have it in the car while you're driving now, I guess. Um, John McCorder says, uh, all of this week, all of this, as of this week, he's just retweeting this story from uh, the American conservative. Again, I don't know John uh, at all. Molly retweeted him. That's why I saw it. Um, it's a piece about how what's really going on is a religious crusade. And this affirms other things I've thought before. I mean, I haven't read the piece. It could be wrong, his conclusions, but I think he's not wrong. I've thought this for a long time, that liberalism is just the puritanical movement with a different morality. It has jettisoned the Christian Ten Commandments and created its own in a sort of weird reaction like anti-Christianity, anti-body, but can't admit it psychosis sort of way. Jesus haunted, but Jesus hating sort of way. And, and so what they've done, in fact, through the school system, and if, if, you, if you believe any of the documents that you can go find on the internet at least, through intentionally taking over philosophical and, and uh, linguistic li- literature studied uh, courses, uh, all of the um, uh, humanities basically, right, philosophic, philosophy courses, over time just won the minds of the youth. And now they've got them there and they're willing to go out and, and do this um, kind of amazingly – unaware of how much they're being used by global political monopoly. 
financial markets and the, those, who, those who they want to take down, the very ones they want to take down. Uh, somehow someone's making money on this whole thing. That's the way it happens every time. That's the part that doesn't shut down. And if that does get shut down, which is what some of these, these anti-fights say they want to have happen, I mean, what you really are going to have is violence in the streets. That's all you're going to have left. You can see how hungry people are for a pair of shoes, for goodness sakes. Dear heavens. They just actually thought no one could stop them from what they were doing. You know how fast it would break down? Bunch of monkeys. You told them they were. You think they're going to just stop and listen now? It's crazy. It's crazy. And here's the thing that's really, really thing. And I'm on this. I'm on this, Will Whedon. I'm on this, Will Whedon. I'm on this with you. I've been on this so hard. And I feel like Cassandra, honestly. He says, you know, it has come absolutely clear to me as this has gone on that this say, this is a direct satanic assault upon the one thing that stands in his way, the assembly of the saints are on the blood of the lamb. That's right. That's right. This is a cosmic assault on the Lord's Supper. And you can go ahead and be like, oh, oh, the Christians, they think it's all about them. Yeah, it is. It's all about the Lord's Supper. It is. I just wrote a book about it. So, you know, turn me off. This is on purpose from a diabolical mind. And the more that we as Christians just pretend like that's not a possibility, the more pitied we are above all people. We don't even believe our own stuff. The sooner we get communion without fear back, without extended and unnecessary regulations— which I hate to break it to you, but glass and plastic cups are extended and unnecessary regulations that increase the odds of contaminant in the process. If we can't get back to at least acknowledging that, even if we don't do it and act on it, what are we standing on? They won. They won. And we're just fading to paganism like they want us to. Like they want us to. I stumbled across this really cool document. Hopefully it'll show up in our Mad Mondays newsletter this coming week. It came from a role-playing game newsletter, how to dungeon master, that kind of thing. But I found this helpful. As I try to look at all these various voices in the white noise and discern what the real story is behind the meta stories that I'm getting told by everybody, I'm wanting to put my, well, how would I say it? I'm going to bet on the Bible being true and the rest of it being false, generally. Okay? And, and so unless it's affirming what the Bible says, like, oh, it's probably false. So I'm going to bet on that, and then I'm going to ask these questions with every other message that I get from the world. Whatever it is. Whatever message it is. If it's the message I should hate police, or if it's the message that I should support police, I'm going to ask these questions about it. I'm going to say, who's going to benefit from that message and why? Is it only benevolent? And I'm going to know because of original sin. Of course not. Of course it's not only benevolent. Of course someone's going to benefit. Who's going to benefit? Why? Why are they going to benefit? What are the real strengths and weaknesses of the argument beyond like my own feelings about the matter? Yeah. Where, where would I see this discussion that I'm being told is true? I don't know, like that a man who says he's a woman is a woman. Where would I see that in the real world? Like, like nature. <laughs> when they actually do it. Oh, man. When, when is it acceptable, unacceptable? When will we know we have succeeded? When will we know we have failed? When will we know that we have to, in fact, listen to Pastor Flammy and start saying no to the government and to the people who say within the congregation that this is just, that they won't, you know, tolerate it. They won't tolerate the chalice being used by those who want it. Really? Who are you working for? 
Anyway, I recommend this chart more than anything else. And I'll say I, I used it this week when this happened too. And this was my fun introduce, introduction to local, uh, local Illinois politics. I don't know what to make of it. Any more than I know what to make of the fact that the background on my screen is not the one it's supposed to be. And I know why. I'm still not going to get frustrated about it, even though I almost did earlier. God, I just noticed it now. Urgh. I was so ready to go with a cool background for you guys today. And then computers made it bad. Anyhow... I, I checked my mail and I got this letter from a guy named Vela in the area. And it was a nice letter. I really appreciated what he said. He talked about the community, um, his history in the community and how much he cared about the community, which to me strikes a note because right now I'm, I'm, you know, buying into the community with some, some land purchasing and these kinds of things. And, um, I have the intention of living here for quite a while and being involved because I've just seen how much my local community now needs good people, right? Good men and good women doing what good men and good women do. So I want to be part of that. So I was excited to, you know, get a letter from my local, I believe, state House of Representatives uh, representative. Hmm? State House representative. There we go. That's the one. And uh, but as he wasn't, he's he's someone who's going to run for it. He's entering the campaign. Okay, that's cool. And okay, I'm not really against anything he said here. But the more I looked at it, the more I was like, wait a minute. Now, now this guy doesn't have any party platform or party on the document whatsoever. It says nothing about who he's who he's for. And I I get that Rockford's a little bit insular, but you really expect the mailing like everyone's going to know what party you're. I, you're really asking a lot of me if you think he's like, everyone just already knows him, even though this is the first time he's ever run for this, right? Um, so so I went and did some digging. I thought maybe he's independent, you know, best construction. He's independent. Oh, cool. I could really get on board with a good independent. That makes sense. Are they libertarian at all? I can, I can, I can give some voice to that because I'm about being pro-life. I'm about being pro-creation and environment. I'm about being pro-Bill of Rights, which means pro-worship, pro-freedom of speech, right? That, that's what I want to have my congressman know, that I love these things. And I want these things protected and supported. And I want my neighborhood protected and supported. So, so anyway, I could get on board with an independent. So I write up this, uh, this little email because he asked – or actually it was a text. He asked us to text him. He says, here's, here's my phone number. Text me. So, oh, yeah, oh, cool. I will. I'm, I'm a local pastor. I got this thing on YouTube. I, you know, I really want to be involved in making the neighborhood good. And um, you know, if you really want to change the way things are done in Springfield and the way that they have packed here – I mentioned my car's there uh, – you know, um, you know, you're going to need all the help you can get, and I'd be happy to be you know, uh, in dialogue with you. And, uh, but then you know, I, I just had this feeling, like, you know what? I, I don't know. I'm going to keep digging. And I found out, oh, wait a minute. He's not independent, and he's not a Republican. He's a Democrat, which shouldn't be a problem. But then I don't understand why it's not on your piece of paper that you mailed to me, and that's my problem. So you can see, I hope, maybe, no, which one is it? Here we go, like this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jonathan, just like this. There it is. So I went crazy, and I taped it to my mailbox. Not my mailbox, but the post that holds my mailbox. I think that's still legal. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> get sued for this. Uh, but all I want to know is, you know, was he afraid to tell me he was a Democrat? Why, why wouldn't it be like there really loud and clear or somewhere on the inside? Why, why is it hidden? Are you ashamed of what the Democrats have done? They run the whole state already. You're trying to unseat the one, like, Republican voice in all of Springfield? And you don't even tell us you're a Democrat? And like what the agenda might be to not have the Republicans have any voice in the whole state? Do we really need to silence any dissent from the guy who just shut down the state, ruined the economy, and, and it made it legal to drive with alcohol, not drinking it, but opening the car in front of you? I mean, 
it might not be allowed to be open. It might have to have a lid on it. No straws. We'll enforce it. We swear. And you know what? You probably will. Just gives you more reason to pull over cars in South Chicago, doesn't it? Oh, wait. Oh, wait. So what I did, what I did is I went online and I found the guy he's trying to unseat. I sent him almost the exact same text. I, I changed nothing to let him know I'd contacted his opponent, nor have I let Bella know I contacted his opponent. Maybe they watch the show. I doubt it. Um, feel free to share because uh, they can see at least who I'm talking to and, and maybe they should you know, let me know what message they'd like me to share because I really want to be objective about this by and large. That was my intention, but I sent the exact same message to Cabela, uh, the Republican. So we'll see. We'll see. I haven't heard from either of them yet, but it was a Friday. So, so I don't know, but I know this. I'm going to keep putting my fingers in it, and I'm not going to let something as, as, as simple as the accidental oversight here, right? Uh-oh, that's not the one I wanted. <laughs> the accidental oversight here. It's not an accidental oversight. All the money that goes into this, this is just, what is going on? Are you lying to me? Yes. That's the answer. And it doesn't matter which politician. It's, and so what I want to do is say, okay, you're lying to me. So will you tell me where the lie is? I'm not going to like throw you out just because of the lie probably because your other guy's worse. So at least be honest with me about your actual platform. What's your real agenda? Tell me this garbage. Oh, I love the neighborhood. And I won't tell you what I'm going to do and who I'm going to be for. Got to watch your backs. Got to watch your backs. Because as, as we said a moment ago, where'd it go? Here it is. It's a religion. It's a religion. It's Marxism. It's humanism, but not in a sense where we build human up. It's anti-humanism, you know, Darada and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it really wants to destroy people. Every false religion that has gotten its hooks into government in the history of the world and really run the government, including Christianity as a heterodox version, murders people. So when the atheists say they don't like religion, they have a point a little bit because religion really shouldn't run the government. Not with like one or three holy priests in charge, right? It shouldn't. It shouldn't. Unless you have, in fact, a good and right and true holy priest who would also then generally be your king. And while Christians do have that, we have to endure the present age where he has left us a sheep to be slaughtered. Which is a phrase that I would encourage you to remember is in the midst of the most glorious, triumphant Romans chapter 8. And it's not a reason to look back and think that height and depth and Angels and demons shall segregate us from the love of God. It's not a reason for that at all. Being sheep left to the slaughter is to be more than a conqueror. The conqueror would just slaughter back, right? More than a conqueror. More than a conqueror through him who loved. That is through Christ who gave himself for us. That's why nothing can separate us from the love of God in him. That's our religion. And, well, let's just say that if you... Have bread and wine with Jesus' words about it being Jesus. And it's there to eat and drink. And someone tells you, don't. It might get you sick and you don't eat it. Then you have been segregated from Christ at that moment, at the very least. In fact, and in truth. Doesn't mean you're not a believer. But why'd you let the world tell you what to do? That's the question. Why did you not pause and ask a couple key questions? Hey, hey, we're just getting going. I'm going to give you probably an extra. All right, all right. Now, oh, I should have had. No, that's. Oh, and it got shut down too because of. Oh, 
This is going to make it annoying. Let's go back here. So what, what did happen, oh, kabooms. What did happen was everything was set to go. I'm watching the timer. It said like six minutes. No, 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 no. It's like it's five minutes until the pre-show, which is five minutes, right? So it's, it's like 8.20. And I've been working since like yesterday at 3 p.m. trying to get most of what you just saw lined up. I felt like it went pretty well. I'm excited by it. It's a lot of work. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. Hope it was worth the support you give me on Patreon, which is, by the way, how all this stuff happens, right? You, you subscribe to this stuff on Patreon uh, four times a month. You are committed to a one-time-a-month charge to keep all this going. Um, that's really super cool. But anyway, um, you know, I, because of that and having that in my conscience all the time, I want to give you the best product I can. And, and so I was just really pushing to get Friday to be a day I could have that evening to, to do this prep work. And uh, I got there. I got there. It was all set. And then this one issue, and maybe you never notice this and it doesn't bother you. I don't want to cover my Lord here. Maybe you never notice this and it doesn't bother you. But for me, I've complained about it before, this Logicam camera, it autofocuses and you can't turn it off. It won't let you. But I've bought a program called eyeglasses that's supposed to sync with Ecamm, which is how I do all of this, that allows you to turn it off. And you can save the settings, except for the only setting you apparently can't save is the manual turn off. You have to do that one every time you would change any scene or transition. In any case, for some reason now, eyeglasses will randomly, usually only just a few minutes before I have to go on the show, decide to stop receiving my camera. So what it does is it takes my camera in and it adds some you know action to get to the settings because Logitech, I've done a rant on this already, Logitech software is just garbage. Anyway, so you can't access your own, your own camera. It's a fine camera. It's just bad software. Logitech lets you do it, but apparently it just it just will randomly decide to black out. And the only solution I've found to getting my camera back, I mean, I can I can see that it can see the camera. It just can't actually show me the camera in the program. I can shut the program down. I can boot it back up. Doesn't matter. I have to reboot the whole computer. And that's how I lost my desktop somehow, which was so cool. Oh, I wanted to show it to you. It was so cool. It's it's the. It, it, uh, We've been doing this work. Frisbee's been doing this work on the Mad Christian logo, and it just looks so good. I mean, I, I shared already with you the masks, you know, from earlier and you can see, you know, the, uh, it's just, it just looks so good. And so I'm, I'm like, I'm like super excited to have it like behind stuff, you know, and with all those Twitter shots should have been showing through instead of the, the one I don't even have the rights to. So that guy could get mad at me. I'm sorry. I, that was, it was a computer reboot the last minute for the show. Yeah. So, but, 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 but what we can get to right here that we are at least prepped enough for would be this. Oh no, no, no. See, that's what I got to fix. And I was supposed to be fixing that talk to you because Evernote had been up and ready to go at that point and it would seem yeah yeah um it all shut down when I rebooted so when I when I had rebooted come on now I'm typing and it's bad there we go when I had rebooted and it all you know I got ecam back up right and I knew I had enough to go live and I look at the clock and it's ticking it's like 30 seconds left till I had to push play it's like, ah and then I can't adjust anything then I can't tinker with stuff in in show too much but uh, at least I can do this. Okay, okay. Almost, I'm almost there. Almost there. What a silly thing. I'm giving it an extra hour today. I know, I know. Arr, where are you? Evernote, right there. That was better-ish. There we go. Yes, indeed. Grab bag of madness. Here we come. Uh, these are your comments and questions from the sidebar and from Ask the Pastor 2.0 Extended. It's not really that anymore, is it? I can't say that. And from sending contacts to RevFisk slash... Hmm. Refis.com slash contact. Um, questions you send there make their way into this document. That's where you want to put the longer stuff. Um, if you're getting the, the serious stuff or if you want the personal stuff, though, uh, you know, throw that in the comments and we have people who peruse that and bring it up in this way. Um, not as much from last week coming, coming through, but 
some uh, some comments on the production values and saying it is getting dangerously close to Wii TV. Well, that's good to hear. Um, you know, technology has improved a lot in the time since that. And so th- there are some things that are simply easier to do than there were back then. Um, but also, you know, my skill set is a certain limit when it comes to ability to absorb this stuff. Um, I'm not so bad at tinkering with it once I know how to use it. But in terms of, of picking it up, it, I'm a slower learn maybe than, than some others. So that's good. That's a great comment. I really appreciate that. And that's the goal is just to keep making it better um, bit by bit and uh, hopefully not letting you get too used to it. So if it falls apart one day, keep watching. Uh, yeah. So um, kissing the sun, kissing the sun. So dear Pastor Fisk, Lynn says, I just came from an online short course introduction to the Psalms with Australian Luther College and straight away saw your new video snippet with the verse of the word I wrote, spoke in an email or two, Isaiah 54, 17a, no weapon forged against you will prevail. That's a, that's a pretty sweet um, uh, thing right there, by the way. Hang tight real fast. Oh, you got the beep in there. All right. Uh, there is something about mutual conversation and consolation of the brethren. I've been learning lately to cling to the word who is Christ Jesus. That's good. That's what we got to do. Uh, today we heard what is meant by Psalm two twelve: Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Just let's say I understand now the act of kissing the crucifix. Well, yeah, yeah. That's a weird one, you know? I remember um, where I was first introduced to the even concept of kissing the crucifix with no negatives, and I hadn't had the negative connotation yet, um, was uh, a little girl who was the adopted daughter from Russia of a a pastor friend of mine. Uh, His name's St. Ange, by the way. Um, And uh, she just came with crucifix kissing. It just it just came with the package, <laughs> and, I, and I don't remember what age she was, but I think it was just pretty pretty young. I mean, was, they were kind of surprised, like how where'd she get this? Like we, you know, but she sees Jesus on the cross, she kisses Jesus on the cross every time, you know, kind of thing. I haven't gotten that far yet, but I I don't know. Um, what I what I need is to remember my baptism. That's what I need, right? I just need a tool for that. And so the sign of the cross does that. And recently, um, looking at the crucifix, wearing the crucifix, holding the crucifix, and yeah, kissing the crucifix. It's just like, I got nothing. You know what? If you're going to send me to hell because I kissed a piece of metal, you know, Father, then that's what you're going to do. But I'm baptizing to you. And this is just a symbol of that. So I, I'm just going to trust that more than more than this and be too worried about whether or not, you know, I guess I could get sick, right? Kissing the crucifix and all that kind of thing. But I'm not sure that's what the text Psalm 212 is really getting at. I think what it is, is a sign of peace. So in the ancient world, they didn't shake hands because it got you sick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, they instead would kiss because it was less likely to get you sick. Now, I know you're like, but how? Because they didn't kiss lips. And they didn't necessarily like rub their, you know, fingers across their cheek onto their tongue afterwards. But it was a way of acknowledging peace. That's just very it. I'm welcoming you. I am willing to stand this close to you. And the way they kissed then was that they would put a kiss on either side of the cheek. Now, that could be to the point where you actually plant it on the person. And this would be about your proximity. If, if you were truly indeed good friends with them, you would actually kiss their cheek. And if you were just good acquaintances, you would not. You'd get close. But you would not do that. And you would get further back, maybe not, you know, not even touch you know, shoulders or anything like that, right? And then if they were a stranger that you were welcoming into your home, you might do it, but you'd be, you know, distant still, more distant still. But the idea there then is that when you're, you're, you're doing what we used to do with handshakes, and we didn't do this with handshakes for a while either, but it used to be you'd only shake the hand of somebody you trusted. 
Like you don't just shake the hand of somebody. Ah, oh, hi, yeah. Oh, wash your hands. You know, that's more like the 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 good old boy American building concept of business, right? Like we're all just going to trust each other, right? um, as opposed to you know earning that trust. Which the kiss of peace would have been more about that, and the and again the proximity of that. So I think what's being said in Psalm two twelve is is simply this: reconcile with the Son, right? make peace with who Jesus is while you still can, because. Frankly, uh, he's not excited about most of what he's seeing going on. He's he's he is zealous to save you from it. Yeah. Not because you're so awesome, but because he is zealous to save you from it. Uh, but it's not like he's going to come down and be glad you're like, "Well, I thought it through and I said I'd make you convince me." <laughs> he's he's not going to think that one's so awesome. So, yeah, yeah. Um uh, Laurel says this one. She says, "I've been listening to your message via YouTube for the last few years. I remember one specifically where you summarized world history. Although raised in the Lutheran Church, LCMS, I've realized that I must have thought biblical history as separate from real history. You did a beautiful job bringing it all together in this video. I was hoping you would remember. Mm -mm, Don't. And where possibly uh, could send me a link for additional viewings. No, but I can tell you this. In my book, Broken, Seven Christian Rules Every Christian Ought to Break as Often, and I wanted a humanly in there as humanly, but they cut that part, as often as possible. Or is it just often? Do they cut more? I can't remember now. In that book, there's a chapter in which it, 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 I think there's even a heading. It's not called, the chapter's not called this, but I'm pretty sure there's a heading that's called like the history of Western civilization part one. And then there's a part two. And then there's a bunch of Star Wars. And there's a part three. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's so silly. Why I even try to do that? I thought I was clever. I don't know. Maybe it is. It it seems silly now, but in any case, that chapter in that section would be the substance you're looking for. And so here's what I recommend. Thanks to my new best friend book ever, how to take smart notes. I recommend you, you get a copy of my book, pirate it if you have to. And, um, I can't, I can't be the one who gives it to you. I don't own it anymore. Right. In that regard, but you can, whatever, you know, it's the world, uh, get a copy of that chapter from somebody, borrow it, you know, big by steel, whatever. Uh, and then I highly recommend that you, Read that chapter with a pen in hand and try to take notes of anything you find interesting. You might end up with like three pages, four pages. You don't even have to do anything with it. Just just try the pen in hand, write it down thing. Although if you want to do one more thing with it, you get your four, five, six pages. Now try to make those pages one page and that'll be the way that you could talk about it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, it is it is it is super juju. It is so super juju, smart notes. Ever book. It's going to be ever book. That's coming back later, later, later. But you know, Lauren, Laurel, um, you know, you're wanting me to do more now. I just won't be able to do it justice. Um, what I can tell you is the, the key point was that the history of civilization is the history of heterodoxy. It's the history of the way we misconceive of God as pagans. Uh, um, reading into him based on our observations of nature, even if our observations are he's not there, and we read that into him then. So so that heterodoxy has then also always been mirrored in the way that the church is persecuted from her own, from within. So that the the false teaching of the age within the church that tries to drive out some orthodoxy, some truth that Jesus left us, will be a reflection of the... Um, the heresy, the heterodoxy of the day with regard to the image of God as, as given in creation. Right now, I mean, what is the image of God in creation? It's man. 
That's why you're not supposed to make an image, grave an image, because you have to make an image of yourself <laughs> till Jesus came along, right? Uh, so, but uh, man is the image of creation, right? And so what, what does our culture right now say about man? He's not even a thing. You don't even exist. Yeah. yeah. You are a pawn to be used by stronger men to get what they want out of the world. And if that means throwing you into chaos so that they can build up more of their own, well, that's what they're going to do. That's what they're going to do. So, so anyway, but that history is seen in the churches and often in the churches battle inside to retain that confession. But while that's true, we want to also believe the church probably doesn't even see the real fight most of the time. And most of us who are in it, I'm going to admit, I probably don't see the real fight. Jesus sees the real fight. That's why he keeps doing stuff I don't understand. <laughs> Wait, why did the troops go that way? You know, well, because he sees the real fight. But Christianity, again, and critical thinking, at least lets you know whether you're on the right side, who you're fighting for. So... Yeah, that'd be where I put you, though. The best place you're going to get, it's a history of philosophy, too. It's a history of, of you know, what thinkers were saying about human civilization and where it's going and how to get it there. Uh, and, and, and an introduction to that is in that same chapter in Broken. That's the best place to go. Jake says this. He says, I simply wanted to thank you for the content you provided on your Issues Etc. program about the Lord's Supper, your three-part series. Right, that's for the book. So that's the book. Get the book without flesh. <laughs> Why Christianity is dying even though Jesus is alive, right? Um, I'm currently reading Charles Porterfield Krauth and his The Conservative Reformation and his theology. Yeah, that's a, that's a tome. I love it. That's a true tome. Yeah, uh, not enough of those in the world these days. I mean, what do you do with a tome? Uh, but you can try to read it. I am probably halfway through that. So go get it. Get it, man. Absolutely. Uh, your discussion and dissection of the same topic has been immensely helpful. That's the supper. And I continue to listen again and again as I am ongoing in ongoing conversations with my sacramentarian siblings in our Bible study. Yeah, we'll give a peace. Peace be to you, Jake, as, as you say to me. Um, so again, I can only recommend, I wrote a book about it for this reason. I think it's that important. And anytime you read a book, you should have a pen in hand and be writing down what you think is valuable. And you should give it a chance to translate that one time. And you might just find you have something we're saying. Uh, you have a way to remember. Yeah. Uh, and, and not just quote. Yeah. Not just quote. Don't quote. Don't write down quotes. That doesn't, it doesn't teach you nothing. Um, write down what, it, what you think. What did it say? So feedback from the last Mad Mondays. There was a bunch of this in, a, uh, in the Mighty Network's. But uh, just this one I thought I'd pull out here. I kind of summed up everything. And this is the piece I wrote about uh, my own anger, my own battle with anger and, and darkness and all this. Um, which, I, I, again, in that piece, I say, you know, I, I never thought of myself as an angry person. Am I? You know, and then I wrote down uh, this week on a card. It's, it's somewhere over here. Um, is a man an angry person because he thinks he's an angry person? Or is it, he's an angry person if other people think he's an angry person? Now, I don't think a lot of people think I'm an angry person. But I think back a little bit to some of the, like, the rockier times in my childhood. And it's like, wow, there was a lot of anger there, wasn't there? Where'd that come from? Huh. Yeah. So, so wrestling with all that, you know, and, and uh, letting you see it, that's what I do. You know, <laughs> that's why you watch. Uh, you know, you watch for the word of God and you're glad that I just don't hide my own you know, sin, because that lets you see past me to it, I think. Um, I, he says, I'm going through a bit of an existential crisis myself, and it was good to reflect upon what really gets at our souls. Yeah. 
I mean, the whole world's going through an existential crisis right now. Uh, the loss of a loved one, the fear of the future, etc. As I am literally hearing the sirens of the collapse of Western civilization outside of my window right now, he lives in New York, I believe, um, it helps to light a candle and not curse the dark. And I wrote that one down from my own notes, Jordan. I mean, when it's dark outside, what do you do? You light a fire? Uh, right now, they're lighting a different kind of fire. They're not lighting a fire for light. They're lighting a fire for, for rage. I'm talking about lighting a candle. Yeah, sure. Lighting a, lighting a fire. Lighting a beacon. Right? Uh, lighting a fire to protect yourself from the darkness. Darkness can do two things to you. It can tell you die, and you're like, oh, die. Right? And we do that pretty naturally. I do. <laughs> yeah? Um, but I can also, like, know I'm already dead. So it's like, die. I'm like, I'm already dead. But die, I swear. I said die. I'm, I'm, I'm already dead. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Yeah? Ooh. Not going to teach that song. But it's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. Because I'm already dead. You can't kill me. Like, that's nuts. Like, we're like zombies that are raised and will never die. And the rest of the world is zombies that just are going to die. And we're like, okay, you know, but like, you don't have to be. You don't have to be. <laughs> Raise your candle, go light your world. That's a song I had to sing on Vicarage Church. Oh, it's terrible. It's a terrible song. It's so bad. Hey, but I do like candles. Candles are awesome. Ambience is cool. And uh, light a fire. It's got a meaning, if you're a sports fan, by the way, you, you should know it. Your coach should have said it to you at one point. Although, usually, the coach has to be a little bit more careful with uh, the, the, the finishing phrases of this when he's dealing with them there, 12-year-olds, as opposed to the college kids, where I definitely heard it at its full extent. Um, you know, a lot of fire under your, mm, yeah? I mean, if you did, and you, I mean, you'd then what? You'd move, right? That's the idea. That's the idea. But when it's dark, a lot of fire. It's not time to lie down. Not time to lie down. All right, so uh, issues, et cetera, why Christians must disobey restrictions on gathering, per Christopher Toma, uh, a cross-reference with political advocacy project. Uh, He makes good contribution to that conversation. So having Toma in mind for that is important, uh, especially because uh, what's going on in his state of Michigan, which I don't know, again, a ton about, but I know enough to know that people in Michigan think Illinois has it good. And that's like, whoa, you know, and I think some of Illinois does have it good, by the way. I have it very good where I am right now because I'm not in Chicago. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not where it is. They could come here, I suppose. Funny thing about the country, though, is it's harder to get to and there's less to protest. <laughs> so I don't know. You know, it's, it's kind of safe. But, but that's not really where Illinois' bread and butter comes from. It's certainly not where the governance is at work. You know, where the people are are striving to better themselves in some sort of growth and, and uh, uh, civilizational kind of way. We're just these hicks out here. What good are we besides being safe? <laughs> besides being safe. So so watching the the unsafety and the unsecurity, I'm, I'm torn as a pastor because I'm happy that we're acknowledging it because it was a lie. The safety and security is a lie. It always has been a lie. The idea that somehow you're not at risk to die from a virus, generally speaking. You are. We all are. The cold can kill you. The common cold can. It doesn't usually. But, I mean, go look it up. There's numbers every year. It's, and there's numbers of someone your age every year. It's, it's small. So you don't live your life because there's a risk not doing something. You, you mitigate the risk. You understand the risk. You, you, you deal with the risk. But, but the thing is, we got godless. We started thinking there was no risk on things where there is clearly risk and where human capacity just, just is not there to remove the curse 
And that's where the thing is. When you really get to the point you think you're going to remove the curse, I mean, the last time, well, I shouldn't say the last time. There was a time when that happened. We're like, oh, there's a curse. It made a lot of water fall. Let's, let's build a really tall building. That way the water can't get to us. Uh, well, it got worse after that, guys. <laughs> he punished us. <laughs> he curbed us. It made it not as good. So like, ah, but the world can't see that. And we got to know they can't see that. But then we have to treat them like, hey, guys, buddies, right? You can't, you're just, you're just a bunch of dumb kids. A bunch of college kids running around destroying the planet. Like literally, actually, these days. Um, we have to watch that and we have to have mercy on that. And we have to know that our substance is something far greater than all these things. And again, yea, that we die, yet we live. So what are we to be afraid of? What, what, what is there to fear? in this valley of the shadow of death, which already has us now that it's been, well, we've been awakened to the risk. What are you afraid of? How afraid are you? How afraid are you to just go to church and sing and have the Lord's supper and then practice hygiene everywhere else in life. And I practice it at church too, but like get over it. I don't know. I'm kind of there, but I'm also a pastor who has to care for people who aren't there. So my own practice will reflect the needs of that, that community. But I'm going to be straight up. I'm like, I'm done. I will, I will, I will stand there and let you put a sticker on me, I, and I will smile about it. I mean it, and I will wear the mask wherever I need to wear the mask publicly. That's not the sanctuary of the Lord Jesus Christ, and um, you know that's fine. But I just, I'm just, I'm with Flammy on this. Like, like whatever we did before, like just let's just go do it again as soon as possible. Just, just get there. And you know what? If we got to provide other options for those who don't want that, fine. But for those of us who want that, like they can put us in jail now. They're not gonna. Not, they got they got cities burning. They're not gonna come arrest you. Get together, sing, have the supper. I mean, what what are we afraid of? And again, what we have to be afraid of is dividing, right? We don't want to divide by forcing ourselves together and forcing people who are unready to come together, or maybe refusing to provide the service for people who are unready to come together and need something like as a, as a stopgap, right? So I so I get all of this, right? Don't hear me wrong, but just hear me right. You know, I. Uh, if I'm supposed to be the expert of my own life and then trust the word of God, which means distrusting the white noise a little bit, and at this point I have to distrust it a lot, I don't have any reason to believe that anybody who's not immediately at risk of death should not be communing the Lord's Supper right now. Like if you actually are like emphysema and it's the, it's the worst and you're 88, like, yeah, you need to be a shut-in. That happens, you know? But, but... The rest of us just keep living. And if the virus gets you, the virus gets you. And someone's going to say I'm cold, but really, I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm saying that about me. The virus gets me, the virus gets me. I believe that if I die from COVID, it will be because Jesus wanted me to. Well, go this way. Jesus wanted me to. Because I'm not going to die without him wanting me to. He's in full control of the entire thing. So... I mean, you can test him. It's not like I'm going to go out, jump in front of a truck. Oh, see, he pulled you out of the way. No, what kind of nonsense is that? I'm just expressing to you that I'm not going to worry about it. I will do what seems reasonable. And at the moment, what seems reasonable to me is to care a lot more about my local politics and my family and my congregation's worship life getting restored than just about anything else. 
We got some super chats here that have been coming through this morning. Darth Mick says this. He says, one week away until I'm in Wisconsin being the sponsor to my brother's second son baptism. Probably won't be able to catch you live. Um, cool. That's all right, because it is on repeat. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, and congratulations on that. That is exciting. The baptisms are always exciting. And it'll be fun to have that happening as you all come together again. Uh, where is... We have one of those as well coming up, where it's like right close to some of our, our first coming together moments. Unfortunately, it will not all coincide, but like to get together and celebrate, that is so important right now. So thank you for that super chat. Super chat. Uh, Jedi Knight Anakin always around says this. I'm in my own sci-fi book. I have cultural beasts, spiritual animals possessing large mobs. Ooh, hold on. Because you know all good writing is stealing. It's not for dust, I promise. But that's good stuff. Okay. Uh, Spiritual animals possessing large mobs. The main character must defeat the binding truth that hold them. Ooh, you should make it the binding lie. Binding lie that holds them. That one's free. Um, uh, the main character must defeat the binding lie that holds them. Uh, never thought the idea would leak into reality. Um, or, well, no, <laughs> leak into reality. Maybe the reality leaked into you. Yeah. Uh, the idea that there are, could be a single demon controlling hordes of people who have given up their minds, uh, via things like rhythm particularly is not outside of the realm of possibility. And again, I do not want to ever become a demonology expert. I have no desire because I mean, you got to actually fight this stuff real close. There's a few of them pertaining to be out there, but, you know, let's just pray that's not where we have to go. Let's keep this baptismal century or millennium going, right? I, yeah, part of me is convinced, you know, the less baptisms you, baptisms you see, the more you're going to see the weird coming out of humanity. Um, and so infant baptism going away in the last century, gradually from the entire Western Civ, like, oops, hmm. That might have an impact, maybe. Maybe the things that we thought don't matter, matter in the course of centuries, Maybe like God's word and all that, right? Yeah. Okay. So just going back in, uh, no other super chats, but lots of comments from you. I'll go to the bottom and kind of see what you've been saying before we go into another small break and come back for, oh, actually we won't do that first. We'll do that before we go to the break, but let's see what you're saying down in the comment that Robert says, um, you can move here to Idaho where there's been nothing apart from a couple of peaceful gatherings in Boise. We're almost completely open and COVID never hit us very hard. Yes. I saw a tweet and I'm in agreement. I know not everyone's going to agree with me on this because it is my opinion and I have them. Um, but this, this opinion is this, it is that uh, cities are kind of done. Cities are not hip or cool. I was with the rebuild the city thing. I was totally on it. I was like, yep, it's really cool. Get that loft apartment, get Starbucks and the whole foods and all that. So good. Eat my cake for breakfast and all that. But I can't make the joke because that guy's He's not a racist, but he's a sexist and all that. And if you didn't follow the Easter egg, that's okay. But, 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 I can't imagine being holed up in my loft apartment right now for all these months and then having to hear and watch all this go on around me and being like, yeah, I'm staying here. This is my, this, this is my land. I'm going to defend this till I die. Um, now maybe there's some who will. I mean, if you own property, it's one thing. Nowhere is cheap to own property. I don't. <laughs> you know, uh, in a in a mobile economy, in a post hygiene, uh, distance, social, whatever economy. Yeah, I think the country wins. And by that I mean you can't say I ain't country. 
wins. Uh, you hooked me, country. I'm in. I'm in. I'm buying to the county. Can't say that in country now. What you going to do about that? This stripper boy went all the way. I'm not going to move to Idaho, but I'm with you, man. You know, there, there is something to be said for small communities staying small communities. Not big ones, not tiny dying ones, but ones that understand the value of a little bit of land and a good neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, where the people might own guns, but they don't pillage and rape and shoot. Yeah. Instead, they just, they just uh, shoot fireworks on 4th of July. Remember that it's kind of nice to be free. That, 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 I don't think, requires a skin color. I really don't. And I would hope, I would hope you immigrants, I probably don't have a huge demographic listening, but honestly, go buy land in the country as fast as you can. Don't buy that house in the suburbs. Don't buy that house, oh, you know, d- down, down on the, the stepping stone with the, you know, the, the strip mall. No, 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 no. Right now, man, you know, w- w- if I was an immigrant right now and I had a, and, and there was some sort of like alcohol that we made that was not popular, like from my home, I just start making it and selling it to my neighbors. <laughs> and I'd brand it, right? And then there you go, boom. And I'd get some land, start growing the crop for it, fast as I could. Make good, you know? Everyone's got one. Every country's got one. I know the one from Hungary, it don't taste like it should, but you can always fix it. So anyway, that you know, just my thoughts there. Just my thoughts there. The country is good. Thanks for that one. Uh, continuing on, we see, we're trying to get somebody who hasn't chatted yet here. I am Athanasius says this. He says, oh, move the wrong thing. Michigan, right? Michigan resident here. I received the Lord's Supper twice every week since lockdown began. It was part of the essential services provided in our live stream. We who were there feasted together. I see. So you were able to be there to do the live stream and others were able to watch it more or less, right? Um, If I'm understanding you correctly, this is a strange avatar. Is that like a squid? What is is this thing? I'm super confused. I'm thinking Illuminati, honestly. Clearly. Clearly it's filled with Illuminati symbolism. And in fact, I was paid billions of dollars to put that there. So send signals to those of you who are going to like write it down or something. That may all be happening. I just didn't get the money. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. But um, yeah, if I'm understanding you right, that's that's good because then it sustained you. But what about those who had to watch? And what I understand is what's the value of live streaming the Lord's Supper? That's exactly what we said in the Middle Ages was wrong about Carthusian monasteries and the taking of the supper on behalf of people who weren't there for money. How are we, how are we different? I'm not going to, I mean, I'm not going to crucify anybody at this point, but I mean, it's been done, right? We we don't need to do that anymore. Finished. Um, (laughs) Humanity. That's for all of you, humanity. Western Civ, you've been living on the, we don't need to kill each other anymore thing. That comes from that one, right? You want to get rid of that. Just get ready. We're going to start killing each other. You're watching it happen. Ooh, there's a wire. Um, and I've lost, I've lost my direction because I'm so into believing in the sufficiency of Christ as a worldview over centuries. That just terrifies me to think about what, what, might, be, what might be happening without it. Hmm. But again, what good is it to broadcast the Lord's Supper at all? I mean, I totally get. I did it once with the sermon and the 10-minute thing so we could show the world what we were doing. And I get, I guess I get leaving it on for people to just hear the hymns and that kind of thing. So I could see that. Like if you're going to stream a service, stream the whole service. But like, I could also see it being the thing where it's like you stream the service of the word and you turn off for Lord's Supper. Maybe I'm nuts. Early church, right? You shut the doors. Shut the doors. I don't know. I'm glad you've been receiving it in either case, right? And and I don't mean to criticize. That's not my intention. I just, I'm struggling with the idea a little bit of, and, and, it sounded a little like there was like consecration at home going on, and I'm pretty against that one. <laughs> this is pretty wrong. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, thank you, Ardith. Uh, Ardith says this, a confession. I took extra anxiety, anti-anxiety meds. Don't take the anxiety meds. That's called coffee. You can take it, but only take a little bit in the morning, not before bed. Uh, she says, I took extra anti-anxiety meds to go to our supper appointment, Lord's Supper, uh, last Sunday to stay calmer amidst protests. Yeah, well. I mean, <clears throat> staying calm is no joke to begin with. I could go off on a tangent about how driving, dear heavens, I had to drive like three times across town yesterday because of errands, and God, does it just destroy productivity. I mean, it took me an hour and a half to figure out like how to get back into not being anxious in ways I hadn't been. Because just, you know, if you don't drive every day, you kind of forget about it a little bit. You, you get comfortable. You realize, well, what, I, what I think I've realized is this, that maybe it doesn't happen to you. Here's what happens to me, is that when I get in a car, a subtle part of my brain realizes that I am in a life or death situation. And until the car turns off and I get out. Because that's what car, cars kill more people than coronavirus does <laughs> by a, a long shot. So, so, um, but I don't think about that. I turn on the music. I think about what I'm doing. I drive. I go. Right? It's not like I'm going to die. I'm going to die. No, it's not that. I just think it's a very subtle, like you know, animal part of me. And what it does is it puts you into the cortisol up and the um i'm gonna lose it now the m1 down the nighttime one down right and so you go into fight or flight you're in fight or flight mode the entire time and you'll put on some music to try to feel better about fight i'm gonna fight like this right um or maybe you'll drive really slow you know and be a danger to everyone around you. you don't know what's going on i don't know but i'm in fight or flight the entire time and what i know about fight or flight mode is that oh my happy face just came off it's so sad um, <laughs> fight or flight is not meant to be in for more than, you know, 10, 15 minutes. That's, that's the max your body's really made. It's like the nitro burst in a race, right? That's what sugar is actually there for. And why your liver will produce sugar. If you don't have too much sugar in your bloodstream is because it wants you to be able to fight or flight and it goes, poof, and you just, you know, you go into this cortisol effect again, but you're supposed to be in that for enough time to outrun the tiger or to kill it, not to live in it. You're supposed to get out of it again and back into the normal. And what I think has happened to me is that's what's happened over the last couple of weeks. As I've only really had one driving day a week, kind of batch the major stuff there. Most of the meetings and conversations are all through Zoom and all this kind of stuff is I got into a very, very like normalized state. And now every time I drive, I feel it afterwards. I'll tell you what I'm going to do is I'm going to drive less. I'm going to batch my drives. I'm going to make sure that I know where I have to be, when I have to be, when I have something I owe somebody. I'll, but I'm also going to give myself time on the other side of it to figure out, like, look, I can't just walk home and, and like think this all turns off. I just ran away from a tiger for four hours or three hours or two hours or whatever it is. Or whenever you're out, up, elevated. Yeah. And no, don't get me wrong. You want to be out too. You got to be at your job, all this kind of stuff. But just know, realize, you know, how much your system's being pressured by the environment, the jungle that you're in. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. No, don't miss that. So taking anti-anxiety meds, you wonder why we all are in such high anxiety is because we're living in a jungle environment that's excessively dangerous, or we are subtly thinking that it is. And it is, in fact, driving a car is very dangerous. It's incredibly dangerous. Can't believe we do it. Horses are maybe safer. Maybe not, though. Horses are pretty dangerous, too. So, Ardith, what I want to do, though, is thank you for the confession, because vulnerability, being unashamed of what you are ashamed of, enough so that you say it in front of others, is a terrifying and yet powerful experience. It is the epicenter of private confession and absolution, by the way. 
the reason why it's so valuable, I think, along with the non-condemning nature of the absolution that, that comes after it. But to be publicly able to say, yeah, I'm really struggling with this. Here it is. Right? That's brave. It hurts. Uh, it's an admission of weakness. And nobody wants to admit that you're weak. Yeah. But the funny thing is about Christianity is when you are weak, you're in fact being strong. You're not going to become strong. The weakness is the strength of Christ alone. Yeah, strength of Christ alone. Okay, so I wanted to talk about, before we go to our second break, I'm going to take a little, a little bit longer break here in just a few moments, but I want to talk about something else. We, I mentioned this recently, and we've got, we've got two of you who are applications now, have, have applied, have let us know you're interested in this Lutheran Layman's Local Action Network, LLLAN idea. Uh, I, there's, there's more I want to share with you about that right now, but I'm also still wanting the thing to stay very much an embryo because the individuals who are going to be interviewed for effectively ownership of the idea, it's going to be like, I'll be with you, but it's going to be your project. And then my team supporting you in this project, uh, to develop, um, I want to, I want to therefore allow the individual or individuals who are working on this and it will be it'll have to be individuals. I want to bake into it though trust that they have the agenda in mind and that the agenda or the platform if we agree on it is sufficient for the needs of the organization. And so we don't have to have um too much oversight uh, of things if we get the main idea and there can be room for creativity in each locality. Now, maybe that all seems like really vague it is. I've got this big vision in my head, and I got to gradually try to figure out how to convey to you what we can do together if we want to uh, through this Lutheran Layman's Local Action Network idea. And it's going to take time. It's going to take years, and, and and really decades, and even a century, uh, if if it's going to be what it could be. Which is that a way a way for Christians who also are Lutheran, who also are men, to support each other in duty and citizenship in their localities in America. Well, around the world, really. But we're this one's we're based in America, right? Based in the United States, based in principles of the Bill of Rights. And uh so I don't want I don't want to do too much though to 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 uh to 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 create an idea that's going to rely upon the creative entrepreneurship of others because one thing I know is that you're not gonna, you're never going to do somebody else's idea. You're going to do your own idea. You're going to do it really well, right? And what you want is when someone else gives you an idea and you make it your own. So that's what we're working on, which is why I don't want to say too much. But I do want to talk about, again, the platform that I think we as LCMS Lutherans can rally around. We can rally around this platform regardless of what we disagree about about everything else. Baked into the platform is a subtle and tacit rejection of feminism. So you would have to have that even though it's not in the platform. It's just baked into the platform itself by being a layman's organization. Um, but the platform is this, that, that Lutherans, you can't count the mainline liberals who are effectively puritanical pagan rage crankies. <laughs> so Lutherans of goodwill, those who desire to maintain some semblance of historical orthodoxy, and you can debate about what that means. Well, I'll just say that every version of the LCMS that doesn't believe there is no God or no resurrection, it fits. <laughs> we can agree on being pro-life, can't we? Yeah, we can. We can agree on being pro-life. That means we have 6,000 congregations and however, however many million people that we can leverage politically 
for pro-life. And, and that's why I believe that they're de- developing this office in D.C. because they want to put a guy down there to leverage the big guys. I get that. I get that. But you need, that's not enough. One guy up there doesn't represent anybody. He needs to represent somebody. Who does he represent? And what does he represent? What do they really believe? Well, I'll tell you this. He, he should be representing me as pro-life. And uh, he should be representing me as procreation and environment. Procreation and environment. That I am not a, a raging environmental worshiper who thinks that in 12 years everything's going to burn. But I do believe I'm taking care of your dirt. I'm getting her done. And doing it in such a way that my son can take care of the same dirt. I think there's a lot of cowboys who agree. And I think a lot of them are trapped in systems that are a bigger agenda than this conversation. But I think being procreation and pro-environment is very Lutheran. And I also uh, think it is very Lutheran to be pro-brick-and-mortar neighborhoods. That's why Lutheran churches are not on the main street in your town. Missouri Synod, Wisconsin Synod, uh, you'll see I was a little wiser in the marketing. Missouri Synod churches want to be in the neighborhoods. So they are. They're in the middle of neighborhoods. Now, I don't know that that's the right thing to do marketing-wise, but I know this. I know that all Lutherans are pro-brick-and-mortar neighborhoods. Who's next door? Who's down the street? How do they connect to our church? Don't you think we can agree on that? And if you want to deal with close communion and fellowship and church body issues, that's fine. We need to do that too. But the Lutheran Layman's Local Action Network doesn't even need to have you be a Lutheran if you agree with being pro-life, pro-creation, and environment, pro-brick-and-mortar neighborhoods and neighbors, and then that meaning being pro-Bill of Rights. Which, I'm not going to say it as Bill of Rights, but I'm going to say it means being pro-assembling, pro-worshipping, pro-speaking, pro-self-defense, pro-private property and industry, pro-informed peers, populace, all for the sake of uh, jurisprudence and juries, uh, pro-it meaning what it has always meant, which we should think about the Bible and everything else anyway, and pro-it being reserved not for tyranny, but for the people, so far as this Constitution thing is concerned— I think those things are important because when I was looking at the Bill of Rights and thinking about it, you know, like which ones did I forget I had? Like the trial by jury, which is kind of scary actually at this point. Yikes. Yikes. Um, what I was stunned by was how they line up with the Ten Commandments. Now, it's not one-to-one. But freedom of assembly, worship, and speech is, is awful close to having a God and praising his name and then preaching. It's just awful close, you know, and and then, you know, pro self-defense, that's awful close to the father and the mother, isn't it now? Pro-private property is not so far removed from the seventh commandment. Pro-informed peers. And it meaning what it means is not so far from the eighth commandment. And it being reserved for the people is not so far from the ninth commandment, ultimately for speaking to a king. Isn't that funny? Maybe you didn't see it. Rewind. The Bill of Rights is the Ten Commandments. It's kind of funny. It's not. It's not. It's not the Ten Commandments. We have the Ten Commandments. We can inject the Ten Commandments into the Bill of Rights, and it is, in fact, something we should do as citizens of this country to say this is what it means. It means we're pro-assembly, pro-worship, pro-free speech, pro-self-defense, pro-private property and industry, pro-informed people, pro-meaning what it meant. Pro-life, pro-creation, and environment, pro-brick-and-mortar neighbors and neighborhoods. The Lutheran Layman's Local Action Network coming soon, wherever you want to start one. Mm. 
Yeah, yeah. All right, we're going to take that little bit of a break here and then come back. I got uh, quite a bit more on the other side. There was a stir about this D&D thing. It's not even D&D, but there was a stir about this game of games thing. And it was such a stir that it's just made my life. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that on the other side, as well as we'll be doing a replay of the Flammy video. So if you if you came in early and you see that there was this video that was put together based on some comments from my good brother-in-arms, uh, Pastor, Pastor uh, Brian Flammy out in Roswell, New Mexico, I'm going to rebroadcast that for you probably after the closing credits of the show. But we'll put it out there one more time on this one um, uh, for all of you who didn't get to see it yet this morning and who would like to stay with the show rather than go watch it where it should be available as its own piece uh, right now. Uh, okay, so taking that break means coming all the way down somewhere here. Oh, that's kind of fun. What was that? I don't know what that is. I want to like do a couple things. Let's see. We'll do it like this, like that. Welcome back. Uh, thank you for the what, what, sticking around during the break. And uh, if you haven't yet seen, then I imagine you stuck around partially to see again the new release. <coughs> excuse me, new release video with Pastor Brian Flammy about what? How do you be a pastor? How do you be a Christian? when what you believe needs to happen as a Christian is being taken away from you by the authorities that you rightly ought to normally obey. Now, so we'll do that again by the end of the hour here. But first, we're going to tangent, and it's into playland a little bit, which I know in the past, some of you are here for the theology, are not excited about the game stuff when we talk about it. And, and I, I appreciate that because we all have our own like things, right? Like I'm not into needlepoint myself, but some people really are. And that's cool, right? That's their game. So it, we're all into games in some way. That's what hobbies kind of are. Puzzles, right? We, we, ways that we can challenge ourselves in a way that we can win, huh? or at least have a chance of winning as opposed to real life where, well, you can try real hard and then it just all gets taken from you. you know? <laughs> so, so games are essential to our, our persons as people. And so, you know, I've been thinking about, well, I, I should really, I, I'm going to dovetail quite a bit. So this is story time here. Um, I've loved games for a very long time. It's why it's part of just my agenda or personality or whatever is just who I am. I enjoy the stories. I've always enjoyed stories and games are stories you get to be a part of. And then again, they challenge you enough that you can grow through the process of it. So when a character achieves something by the end of a game and they've told the good story the way you would in a movie or in a book, you actually now don't just get to see it happening. You did it, right? So in, in Mass Effect, when he's it's Mass Effect 2, when he's saying that not one more life, human life is going to be taken away by these Reavers, right? And you know, what does that mean to you? But for me, I was like in tears, <laughs> you know, it was so good. Because the story was so good and the wind was so good and the ability to make or be part of, to be in harmony with creation was so good. That's what we love about gaming, <clears throat> I think. People love games because it, you feel like in the success or the achievement, you're in harmony with creation. And so I've always loved it. And, you know, unless you know me personally, the, uh, the journey through various types of gaming from MMORPGs like World of Warcraft right? Online, uh, to, uh, yeah, World of Warcraft, the online, as opposed to Warcraft. They just released three and the, anyway, from that through pretty intensive and like even tournament level, though not very good, uh, Magic the Gathering, uh, into, to, you know, playing with other stuff, you know, Risk Legacy and, and various things, games, video games, 
And I'm, I'm, I, I love my PlayStation. I, I have Steam games. I play with my kids, all this kind of stuff. But it's always just a little dissatisfying. And I, I've never been able to figure out quite why. Um, it may be that I'm too much of a critic and it's just my own issue. But one of the things I've often done with games is I always want to like make my own rules for the games. So like with Fallout 4, I fell into the black hole of modding it, which is like making your own rules. And eventually you learn, oh, you don't just have to like borrow someone else's made up rules. You can make up your own rules. Next thing you know, you're coding. And it's 6 a.m. and you're up coding before you got to go to church. Oh, what are you doing, Fisk? <laughs> you know, um, but, you know, I, I was learning through the process. And one of the things I was learning was that the reason you enjoy a game is because you have the freedom to succeed and enjoy the game. And that there's a there's a danger in gaming, which is that the game becomes a, not a game. It, it becomes a job. It becomes a work. It becomes something you, you have to do. And your own love of creativity, your own agenda, and, and what really is mission creep can lead you down that path, whether it's as a, a, a dice roller or, or whether it's as somebody who's like a DM running some really intensive tabletop game. So <clears throat> kind of knowing all of that and then being just frustrated to no end that my several attempts to run ongoing campaigns in Dungeons & Dragons were, were done in by, by two factors. One, the complexity level of the game, which requires an encyclopedic level of knowledge that only a 12-year-old boy could possibly absorb. You know, and 12-year-old boys absorb it. They got it. And they, they can be a DM the rest of their life on that. Yeah, but you know, to absorb it now at 40, <laughs> I'm just not quite the absorbing machine I once was. <clears throat> I can put out quite a bit, right? But, you know, I don't take in quite as fast. At least not in a way that I retain it without writing it down and all that kind of stuff. So, but the complexity required for Dungeons & Dragons is pretty... It's pretty intense. I mean, it's like, oh, you fell. Uh, what's your stealth? It's not that bad. But it's like that, right? It's like, oh, okay, so roll this. And then, oh, wait, you're dead. Crud. Like, they were supposed to die. Darn it. You know, it's, 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 what happens is, as a DM, at least, you get so caught up in having to try to make it realistic with dice and little plastic figures <laughs> that you lose the game the fun of the game and i think what happens also with a lot of players is that they they game the game because the game is evidently not real and they like winning they try to figure out the real game which isn't like just the game itself but how do i beat the game's ideas of the game so that i'm the best at the game and the game can't even you know compel me anymore it's too easy right you, you want to get to that point and uh you know raise your hand i'm right there with you you know it's okay we got, we, this is a support group for this, for such people. <laughs> That's what this is, right? <clears throat> so hungering to not lose the joy of gaming with my kids, with my friends, and kind of just being bothered by this. I, I had this inkling hunch that it's all easier than you think. And there's a book I perused, like like Wolf Mueller. I read like ten pages, just exactly like him. He's not lying, and I'm you know it, it works sometimes. Um, a book called The Lazy Dungeon Master, and it kind of changed my thinking. It reminded me though of the first like three pages of the Dungeon Master's Guild book, which is this huge tome, tome. Uh, it's awesome though. Uh, that talks about how when you DM a game, the first thing to know is that you make up all the rules. And then they proceed to like sell you books and books and books of rules, right? But like, I was like, wait, 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 I got to make up the rules? I don't have to look it up? Oh, oh, wait, that's fun. That's not just like something I could do. Like, that's the best game I ever heard of in my life. 
And so what's happened is this. I have a local group who at one point I had a D&D session going with. And if you're worried about D&D being from the devil, he's got, I mean, talk to me later. <laughs> it's not. Uh, the, the stuff going on in your city where it's burning, that might be. Uh, I'm pretty sure D&D is just for nerds. Um, <laughs> so I have this group locally and, and we've, we, you know, we fell off the wagon. We were on a little play after playing for a couple months and I, I wanted to get them back in. It's like, well, how can I get myself back in? How can it not get in the way of work? How can it be something that I really love and enjoy? How has, and it all came together. You know what? What happened? I would have to do it if it was a show and it was part of my agenda to make Mad Christianity into a publishing house and layman's activity network, you know, disconnected from each other, but, but effectively, you know, binding us together so we can say stuff to the world. Um, if I made it like a hub of a side project in that, I'd have to do it. And then... I wouldn't feel so bad about having fun doing it. And, and then what if, what if, what if, what if, and the what ifs just kept running. And this has been, again, spinning in my head for a couple months, but what if there were a game show for Lutherans? <laughs> you know, like, like that's Wolf Miller's own idea probably from years ago. Cause he's always into the gaming thing. That's what table talk radio is in a sense. But what if we did it differently? What if we did it? Not so this is a trick. This isn't a hook. This, this isn't to get you to be Christian. This is me doing storytelling, soft apologetics, and having fun in front of you. Like, think of it this way, too. Like, I could do all this just on my own, or I can leverage it into YouTube. So if nothing else, this is like the best case scenario. You never watch. Don't if you don't want to. And like only 12 people do who like D&D, and then it spreads a little bit and just gets some play over time. It just adds to the base of the YouTube kind of generation, which is it's not a lot, but it's something that they can get funneled into other stuff like what? I had to order a Mad Christian Mass today, yesterday, right? So I get my, my version of it, find out if, Rebel, Rebels, if Red Bubbles masks are worth buying again. I promoted one to you without knowing how good they are. I'm assuming they're okay. Uh, so in any case, uh, what if it could all function as, as one thing? What if it could be overlap, but not such that you have to watch them both? What if this channel... Mad Christianity, Rufus J. What if it had two shows and the second show was nothing like any other thing you've ever seen before anywhere? What if it was a game show that involved just a group of local guys who may or may not be Lutherans, but they're not such bad guys, uh, competing for $800 cash against a group of Lutherans who are all from various areas online in a, in a game of games hosted by yourself where I make up the rules start to finish day one? We have Seasons. Again, uh, along with that cash prize of 800 bucks, and it is real, uh, along with that cash prize of 800 bucks for the team to, to split at the end, they will have entry into the season two, which will happen after that. I don't know. How long will it take to be season one or two? It will mm, requires the story be told. That's, that's the answer to that question. But I think, I think you're going to have more fun than you think with this, with this thing. I don't know if you can see my logo I drew. So the game is called... Uh, Dungeon Fast and Dragon's Furious, or, or DNF&D for short, and for fun. And don't get too serious on me. It's all a grand game. And I can already tell you right now, as much as all of that might have meant nothing to you, how many did I lose? How many did I lose? Oh, only like 86 to watching. Thank you. Um, that might all be like, what? You will be able to play at home as well. So what we have here is a, like, like a, a real-life tabletop game taking place via Zoom. Between two parties who are going to work together, as they have to, or they both lose, but only one of them wins, 
where you get to watch, chime in, tell me what I should do as DM in the comments, you know, play with their lives, that kind of thing. Um, and then, oh, where'd it go? Where's the connection point? Ah, ah, I lost my, uh, bummer. Okay. So again, harmonizing this is difficult for me because there's too much of it. Let me find this. Ah, yes, here it is. So, <laughs> in order, uh, along with them doing this for you to watch, in theory, enjoying the conversation, messing with their lives by feeding me information to, like, toy with their lives, although I may just kind of do what I want to do anyway, there will also be a weekly or episode. It won't be weekly. The show's never going to be weekly. Um, it'll be when it happens. Uh, there will be a regular way for you to play along at home. And I can tell you right now what the first one is. And we're at least a month away from launch of the first episode. So you have a month or even six weeks. I got to move a house. There's a bunch of other stuff going on. We're reopening from COVID, right? All that. But um, there's a movie and I have to give it with a caveat. There's a movie called The Game with Michael Douglas. Now I've not watched this again, nor will I until after the first episode. I will need to watch it after the first episode, but I have not watched it for a long time, but I remember it being quite good. I believe it's rated R. I do not remember why, but I didn't remember it being about the sixth commandment. It could be, I'm pretty sure it was just scary and somewhat violent. So I wouldn't recommend watching this with a you know impressionable kid, but the game as a movie is about, well, kind of what I'm going to be doing, only different. And for that reason, like watching The Matrix, it's one of those mind-bending kind of things that's really worth worth having seen philosophically. And then here's here's the thing. So our teams of four, we have two of them, and they have names, and we'll, I'll get all that. They're, they're going to build logos. I mean, it's, it's going to be fun. It's a game show. It really is. We have a game show. It's coming. So like it or not, you know, you're, you're behind the scenes watching me like think it out loud kind of stuff, right? Uh, along with all of that, um, they have the assignment for the first episode, first quest, to make an effort to drop quotes from the movie, the game, into dialogue of their characters without necessarily letting anyone else know what's happening. But knowing that whoever gets the most votes from you as the best one doing it for the course of the evening, right? Whether it's for one quarter or several, well, that they win that individual and that individual will get a boon. That will be basically the, a, a token, a thing, an item that will give them a benefit the rest of the, the game. So they win and then they get to maybe win more and you get to be the ones who control that fate. But to do so, you're going to have to watch the game at least once, maybe do a little research on good quotes from the game. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what could come of it. Every episode will have some feature like this as well, which lets you play at home so that by the time you're ready to get your team together and come on for, for season, season 17 or whatever, right? Uh, you, you know well what you're doing. In fact, let me just, let me just throw you one more thing here. We may do this at the end of the hour. We'll see how much time we have left. Um, I bought this for it. This is part of the game of games, at least for this season. I think, I think we can have some fun with that. I, we're not going to actually play True Pursuit. What a boring game. But can you imagine what's going to happen when instead of rolling, you have to answer a question from the 80s randomly? Because what? Did you, did you end up as a warlock? D does your old one have some random weird thing they do to you once in a while? Oh, guess what you get to do? 
<laughs> it's all going to be so much fun, my friends. You just, you just have to get on board and get excited. Watch that, the game. Get your quotes written down. And then here's what we're going to do now. All right. So now, um, wait, wait, wait. Just, just for fun. That worked out really well, didn't it? Yeah. Okay. It's just for fun. Here's what we're going to do. You can play at home with this one too, because I need to make a video to point these teams to. And if they're watching this show, that would mean they have an advantage. They're getting getting ahead. Now, you don't have to watch my show to win my game. But we're going to do a little bit of recording here that then I'm going to point team members to later. But I think I think you'll enjoy it because I think you can kind of play at home and it'll give you a little bit of a gist of the difference between this game and any other game you've ever played. Because every other game you've ever played is so legalistic and ruley, <laughs> isn't it now? And, and uh, it's not that you want to get rid of the rules. You need... You need structure to have a game. You need a you know box to play inside of, Foursquare, right? Even even my vaunted second grade game, kick back and forth, required two sides. You know, so, so uh, but 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 the rules are not the reason you play. You don't play to stay in bounds. That's not why you play. No, you play to you play to have beauty happen. That's why you play. So. What we're going to try to do is we're going to make a now hold on, hold on. I want to I want to I had a, I had a quote here or an idea for how to describe this. I want to make sure I write this one down here. Not write down. Or say it to you. Oh, did I not? It'll come back later. That's all done. That's all done. <laughs> all right. Sorry for the break. Oh yeah, there it is. Yeah, it's a reality TV MMORPG. Without digital stuff. Maybe that makes sense. But what it's going to be is a story that we're going to all tell together. And yeah, I'm the storyteller. I'm the primary voice. But again, every comment you leave during the show, when the show is on, has potential to become the story. We're going to tell a story. And the story is going to be one of glory and triumph, of wickedness and evil, of danger and dread. It's going to resemble reality. And it's going to be so far removed from reality that you might as well have bought a box about the 80s that has nothing in it from the 80s except for a TV show from the thousands and tens and stuff. What do we call them, teens? So what we're going to do now is we're going to walk through character creation. Not all of it, just a little bit. And it's 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 an embry- embryo here, so season two may have a different tact. But I don't know if you ever played some old school Ultima games. This might ring a bell. What you're going to need is any piece of blank paper and a pen. That's all you will ever need for this game, aside from some basic rolling dice. Uh, yes, rolling dice. The sound. Uh, I prefer you don't use a dice tower. They tend to slow down the game. But, uh, but you know, we do want to have some way to roll those dice right in front of you on your desk so they don't go everywhere. A small cigar box has worked very well for me in the past. That being said, um, you'll need that later. Today, to create your character, I know the players, by the way, players have been at work trying to figure out how to create the character before this moment. And I told them, we just make everything you want and then get ready, right? So whether or not you have a character in mind doesn't matter. But what, what you could do if you don't have anyone in mind yet is I want you to just close your eyes, take a deep breath, feel your fingers, and imagine if you were to open your eyes and not be where you are, where would you be? And don't think twice. What was the first thing that came to your mind? Open your eyes and you're there and you're not you. 
or someone standing right beside you, who is it? And then from there, just that picture, answer this question. Of that person. So you in the questions is that person, this character now. You in that field that's not you or the other person beside you who's who's going to be. When that person comes to a large tree, tree, tree stump, but hewn, which has fallen across a road in a canyon and blocks the cart, does that character move it, scale it, and leave the cart behind? Spend time investigating why it fell or how it got there. I want you to write your answer down to that. And then write number two. And for the same person, answer this question. You've just been introduced to your mark at a party, and you must relieve her of certain papers without her knowledge by midnight or hundreds of innocent people will die. Do you rely on your tongue, rely on your keen insight, or rely on your ability to stomach anything, even poison? Write down your single selection of that, and then a third and final. Think about what you aspire to be in the greatest glory you will ever achieve and whatever tales are sung and told of you. And pick the image that the most represents you, but is not reflected by your previous answers. That is, if one of these reflects your previous answer, don't pick that one, pick the second. Are you a hurricane? A wave? mountain, a tree, a beam of sunlight, or a pleasant breeze. Hurricane wave, mountain tree, beam of sun, pleasant breeze. Compile your answers to these three questions and give them to your keeper of the rules. This is each team has a captain of sorts called keeper of the rules, and their job is to make sure that I don't break my own rules. In fact, they get bonus points for their team if they ever catch me breaking my own rules and embarrass me in front of you, which, again, I think would be fun, don't you? So... Compile and send your character's answers to these first three questions to the Keeper of Rules and have him get that to me via any avenue he chooses at your soonest convenience. There is no prize for being fast this time, although there can be penalties for being late. Yes, it's fun. This is going to be so much fun. And what I will do is I'll be taking those answers and there is a key behind it that will unlock part one of character creation and part two will will follow. Whether we do it just like this or whether we do it behind the scenes leading up to that initial show, we'll have a lot to do how my life looks as I transition. <laughs> Can't say that word and just leave it hanging these days, can you now? As I <clears throat> relocate. So this may or may not be the last time you see me and this shot right here. I hope it is. It depends on cleaning and a few other issues next week and whatnot. But, 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 um, hopefully I'll be in my new digs 
uh, next week, at least starting to be there. And uh, that's a very exciting thing for me and mine as we look at some local local realities. So uh, lots going on, lots behind the scenes, but D-N-F-N-D, that is Dungeons Fast and Dragon Furious. Yeah, um, That'll be coming to a interwebs near you sometime in July, probably mid to late July. And um, yeah, it might be really terrible. It might only happen once and it's just horrible and I run away in shame. But you know what? If I've got to do a second show the rest of my life, I'm pretty sure this is the one I can do. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's just going to be me having the time of my life in front of you. And if you would like to be part of it and root for the the Lutheran team, no, 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 not to be too harsh here <clears throat> and not to pick sides. I can't pick sides. I'm the DM, but you can pick sides. And, and I tell you, my local guys who are team one, right? We'll do all the names and stuff later. My local guys, the original team, um, they got one Lutheran, one former Lutheran. I won't tell you which. Don't be mean to him, please. And, uh, uh, and two non-Lutherans and, uh, good guys. Salt of the earth, dirt fellas. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and, uh, and then you have the other team that's entirely and, and entirely and completely and, and entirely Lutheran. And so if you really want to do that thing and just like get bandwagon on it, <laughs> You can, but I'm sure someone will pull for the underdog at the end of the day, no matter what happens. There are so many fun things planned on this. All I can say is, um, if you don't like gaming, I get it, but you might give us a chance, episode three. <laughs> and you might find that there's something in the storytelling that is just lingering. And if you can even make your own character along the way and imagine you're just watching, you're a bard scribing as you follow. Yeah? Um, you can play it play it all the more. Leave your comments in the chat while you do it. Um, oh, that's a fun way to do it. Oh, there's so many ways. So many ways, so many ways. Uh, DNFND, Dungeon Fast Dragon Furious, coming to a YouTube channel near you soon enough. That gets me through those portions. I feel like, know what I didn't do enough of? That. I didn't do enough of that. I got to do that as I go back to paper more and more. I'm going to review everything I've got here in front of me to make sure there's nothing I didn't talk about. Then we're going to go to the comments and the super chat that came back again. Yeah, we got all this. Got to review all that. We'll get to that later today. Jedi Knight Anakin Cringewalker says this. He says, you have the time. Read up on Chris Yarvin, his letter to open-minded progressives and the path to the dark reformation, the antiversity, ooh, are both spectacular works. I can imagine that that has something to do with my comments earlier about the long game that's been being played by Marxism and communists intentionally in this country, and we've just been completely willfully ignorant of it for, for too long. And if you're like, Lutheran shouldn't, it? you know what? Walter Walt wrote pamphlets against socialism. And he was, he was pretty avid. So uh, he had a reason and it was biblical and I'm kind of with him on it. It has to do with private property and you might not like it, but I think that the seventh commandment teaches that private property is given by God to share with your neighbor. It's not given by God for you to hoard. It's not given by God for you to create a monopoly with. But if you really think that tearing down this civilization is going to get rid of the guys who have the monopolies, it's just going to empower them all the more and give you less power. They'll have no choice but to shut everything down and be in total lockdown control. It's what Trump's going to have to do. The very thing you don't want him to do, you're going to make him do it. And they're actually trying to make him do it so they can win an election and just take it. I'm not even a conspiracy theorist. That's just politics. Jeez. That's just politics. All right, let's do something more exciting for the last half hour here. I am I am here. Uh, <laughs> banjos. I am here for the next half hour at least we would normally be in the show right now but oh well we're gonna do flammy so we got 15 minutes i want to go back in comments and see what you've been saying that i've been missing or particularly i noticed 
as I was doing my prep this week, and I'm happy with it, but I need to make sure I'm prepping in some Bibble a little bit more. There was not enough direct scripture this week. And so your questions about direct scripture, although the the Psalm 2 one could have gotten there, um, but your questions about direct scripture would be super valuable coming through the contact page over the next week or so. So we can push those out. We could also dig, of course, into our long, long pile of those anti, not anti, those ancient questions from former shows. Um, I feel bad about digging into those though. Honestly, there's something about it. I just don't, don't want to do it, but, um, embrace our banjos. <laughs> our esteemed president of the LCMS is an accomplished. Do you think he's an accomplished banjo, banjo player? Do you? I mean, um, I'm just not going to tell you. Thank you. Jackie Bernie. One of the uh, commenters uh, says, Sarah says, right? So pushing, pushing Sarah's forward. Um, would like to know if girls are allowed to join the game. Wow. <laughs> um, yes, uh, but not really. But yes, uh, you'll see. <laughs> Everybody's joined the game. This is my point. If you're watching, you're in the game. You have your own games to play at home. I haven't got prizes for you yet, but maybe there will be a way I can figure that out. Okay. But give me time. I mean, it's, it's just a pretty... Like companies do this with billion dollar budgets, right? I'm gonna do it on the side out of my pocket. Like I'm literally going to prepare it on my pocket. The next thing. (laughs) So whether it works, I don't know. But the whole point is I'm going to be juggling all of you and your interest in the game with the belief that somehow you can win it in your own way, whether you're in it or not, like officially, if that makes sense, you can't win the 800 bucks. Is that really what you want? You just want the 800 bucks? That's such a paltry prize. That's nothing. It would be really cool. I mean, this would be so amazing if in 20 years, who knows, right? If in 20 years though, like that prize is real and we got real people playing for this, oh, that'd be sweet. And it has nothing to do with Christianity. It'd be super sweet. Cause you know what would also be on the channel? A whole lot of Christianity. <laughs> so uh, anyway, anyway, that's, that's what this is, right? That's what this is. It's not about trying to actually get out there and use Dungeons and Dragons to turn people into Christians. It's about being a Christian and doing what I like to do well. And not giving up my Christianity while I do it. Uh, not being ashamed of it while I do it. So I, you're in the game. Now, can, you, can, can girls apply for a season two? Yeah, sure. Why not? Why not? You know, I, I don't know. The only rule I've told everyone so far about <clears throat> characters is that your character must be represented by your actual physical gender. Mm. Uh, you, you need to make a character that you can play. Because yeah, you must speak in... Uh, character part part of the game will be things like dialogue and limitations to what you can say on camera and things like that so if you really want in watch season one then then get a team don't apply alone get a team and apply and i don't know what the game will be to get on a season two what what hurdle it will be will it be like does the whole team have to drive cross cross country and take a picture at my church and then send it to me (laughs) that'd be mean that's like season seven right I, i don't know i don't know right but the whole way the whole way is you can play that's the point I'm playing. That's all I'm doing. I'm just playing. So I'm going to play in front of you. And yeah, you can play with me. Like, I want everyone to play. That's, and, and Frisbee said, uh, Frisbee the Hand said this to me. Um, uh, I think it was two days ago. It might have been yesterday. And the Marco Polos that we do for, for Mondays and all that. And she said, right now, the, the news is so dark. It just, it just is overbearing. And, and your, you know, your, your piece last week was useful. The, the pain and the rawness of it helps. But like, do we ever get to look up again? She didn't say it that way, but I, I felt the, I felt it, and and I had the same thought because every time I look outside the window, that's what it's like. I said, "Do I ever get to look up again? I mean, is, is it going to get better at some point?" 
as why part of me is like, like, I don't care in terms of like, if I die, oh, well, because that's better than this. Um, so, so, so I get that. But what she was saying though, was that in the darkness, maybe we just need some joviality too. Maybe Christians aren't just here to tell the government, no, you're not allowed to. Maybe we're also here to tell the rest of us, hey, lighten up. Let's just have fun. Have some fun. Let's hang out. Let's not get so serious about this world that we think it really matters because it's dead already. It's finished, remember? Oh, other side. Finished. Huh? And so take a moment and breathe. Take a moment and relax. Take a moment and rest. It's a commandment for a reason. And the fact that the word of God and having the scriptures imbibed is part of the rest doesn't mean that you aren't supposed to rest. <laughs> You're supposed to rest. Yeah. Um, bo, 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 bo. Okay, cool. So what else is over there in the comments? I could go off on. Mm, ah, oh, I know what we're going to do. That's what I knew I would have about this much time. I knew I would have about this much time. Let's do it. Let's do it. Do I have my. Oh, and I got to say, I, I'll, I'll promote these guys. I can't think of what they're called. I'm so excited to pull this knife out. I subscribe to a, you get a box once a month. It's kind of mini expensive, 40 bucks ish. And we pick it for you. And then I never get it. <laughs> I only got this knife. This is made from former skateboard and it is, um, Damascus steel. It's such a cool pocket blade. Oh, bu- 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 I bought it because I knew I needed a knife. I was not allowed to have knives. I don't really resent that. I was not allowed to have guns or BB guns or anything. I don't really resent that either, but I never really picked up tools. And I don't know if that was connected or not, but I realized like how often I go to a drawer for a straight edge. And I'm like, well, I could have like a really cool looking straight edge. (laughs) I haven't yet got to really, you know, doing anything too crazy with it, opening cardboard boxes and all that. But you know, it made quick work of that plastic. No problem. I would have been tearing at that with my teeth. (laughs) Tools. Tools, they're good for things. Now, here's the thing about... Oh, this is cheap. Oh, for pity's sakes, that's cheap. Really, guys? They could get so much better. I mean, I guess it is kind of like the 80s. I bet you the 80s ones are better than this. Maybe not. I don't care. That part doesn't matter to me. The board right here? Oh, whatever. Don't need that. All we need are these. There we go. Oh, oh I got three. There's a six-sided die in there that looks like it was... Oh, that's kind of cool. It's got a one-sided weird thing on it. A bunch of junk. So much wasted space. I have been trying for years to figure out how to like pull my games into less boxes and still be able to find them. I'm going to give up now. There's so much wasted space in game boxes. Okay, look, look, there's a red line. There's a red line. It's right there. I would imagine I'm supposed to pull it, but I got nothing on that. So you know what? Skateboard of the rescue, right? Uh -uh. Bespoke. That's the name. Bespoke is the company that has the packages that got this great Damascus steel. You can't get it. Again, you know how I know that? Because I thought I lost it and I went to buy another one. I love it so much. And it was gone. But they do have good stuff. You should check out Bespoke. I had to get no money from it whatsoever, so I can't tell you to go to bespoke.com slash Jonathan or Refisk. But what I can do is I can ask you one question. We're going to burn a whole card. going to burn a whole card. I don't even know. I don't even know. Trivia from the 80s. Are you Gen X or not? This is it. The Gen X showdown at the end of the Mad Christian Morning Hour. You don't even, you're like, what? I came here for Jesus. Yes, you did. And you got him. Yeah. And remember that the past and the present aren't so different. Uh, In what 1985 movie do Gary and Wyatt feed pictures of models, Beethoven, Einstein, and Houdini into a computer to create a dream girl? I know it. 
Do you? Let's keep going. On Too Close for Comfort, I'm not going to get this one, Ted Knight played a cartoonist who drew a comic strip called what? You get options here. Comic, Cosmic Cow, Pirate, Parrot, or Deputy Dog. I think I can guess that by order of elimination. In his biggest hit of 1986, What Zone Does Kenny Loggins Sing a Book? Really? What Zone? Hey, Kenny, what zone are you going to sing about tonight? <laughs> That's off. I'm taking a highway into it. Three more. Are you writing down your answers? Uh, what year did the Weather Channel launch on cable TV? 1982, 86, or 89? That's a tough one. I'd have to take a guess. Uh, what Keebler cookie consisted of a shortbread or sugar-filled cookie with soft, gooey, hidden chocolate fudge inside? I don't know that one. It's not a Fig Newton. Uh, um, but a Fig Newton is made of fruit and cake. Yes, I learned that part, didn't I now? And on what date in 1983 did the first episode of season one take place? Season one of what? On what date in 1983 did the first episode of season one take place? Of what? I'm missing something for that question. In any case, the answer to that was November 6th. So if you didn't get it, you're wrong. You don't know what the 80s like you should. On what date in 1983 did the first episode of season... <laughs> Am I missing something? Weather Channel. I mean, it's not connected, right? In any case. You want your answers? Here we go. Okay, so... Um, I got the first one, Weird Science. Second one, oh, I would have been wrong. I would have said Deputy Dog, it's Cosmic Cow. Third one, I mean, it's the highway to, I mean, it's in a Lutheran satire video, right? You should know this one, kids. Highway to the Danger Zone. Uh, the Weather Channel began, I would have said 89, and it is 82. That's like early cable, super early cable. Soft Keebler cookies, the magic middles. Did you get those? My mom did not buy those, so I don't know. And this card now no longer can be part of Game of Games because we are not going to worry about that kind of nonsense. Like trying to keep your games in order. Oh, goodness gracious. Well, let's see here. How did you do? If you got all of them, not including the whatever that last question was, if you understood the last question, that's its own game. You get Illuminati publishing in Mad Mondays. That's what you get for that. But if you just, um, if you got all the rest of them and you want to send us in and let us know, we might do a little hat tip to you uh, in this week's Mad Mondays. All y'all who knew all of them without having to go as true Gen X antiheroes, you've got me beat. I only knew about half. Only knew about half. But there'll be more of that to come and I'll be nice. When you have to make a roll to live or die, I promise not to give you the one about 19 82 or whatever right yeah yeah yeah. so all right that gets us there okay so what we got next is we're gonna roll credits i'm gonna say adieu we're gonna roll credits and we're gonna leave pastor flammy to send us on our way one more time uh with his fine words and if you watched it before i really recommend watching and listening again i've i've now gone through this with the fine tooth comb i have watched the finished product two or three times and he continues to be an inspiration to me because it is so clear what he says. It's not just that he's this amazing guy. I like like Brian just fine. It's that he says with clarity what the scriptures say and what our confessions say in a way that my heart hears the voice of the shepherd. I don't even have to ask, is this right or wrong? Yes, he's right. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. Kyrie eleison. Let's die together. (laughs) And Christianity should make you feel that way. And Lutherans, we haven't felt that way for a long time, which means we've got something going wrong. At the very least, the very least, he can inspire us to want to be hungry again. 
I want to be hungry again. So we're going to do that. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. What else have I not talked about that I always have to talk about? The podcast still exists, though not quite as it was, but you can always listen to all of this later uh, by downloading the Podbean podcast. Patreon is where you support what I do. Us, the chill, of course, is you and the network of people making all this stuff happen. Uh, um, I feel like there's one more like true public service announcement. It's going to have to wait this week. You're going to have to content yourself with the fact that we actually got some production done and we got a new video on the interwebs that is more than the sum of its parts, I think. Yeah. You with me on that one? Here's to not wallowing in the muck like the rest of the world, lifting up our eyes because we see the day is drawing soon. Let me give you one more. The Lord is your shepherd and you shall not want. He's going to make you lie down in green pastures. He's going to lead you beside fresh waters. He is going to vivify, that is redeem your life so that though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, there is nothing to fear for he is with you. His rod, his staff, they are a comfort to you. And you can see how he prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies so that your cup runneth over with certainty then. Tov v'keseth, goodness and mercy, they're going to follow you all the days of your life and you're going to dwell in the body and the blood of Jesus Christ forever and ever, age into age, and unto and that's the meaning of the word. Amen. Is it not? Is it not? Hallelujah. Don't wall in the book, my friends. Rock on.